Welcome back to the What's Up With You podcast. I am Ben Steiner, and boy, do we have an episode today. The University of Lethbridge this morning decided they were suspending both their men's and women's hockey programs. So we'll digest that. We speak with a coach and a few of the players from that team, a few that spoke out on Twitter as well. We have some interviews from various members of the 49 Sport Network, and then we'll also get into some soccer talk with Emil Riga and take a look at the OUA and Canada West recruiting systems so far. Lots to come on the 49 Sport Network. We're happy to have you here, and welcome to this podcast. What's up with you, podcast? I'm Ben Steiner, alongside Justin Levine. We're your hosts on this show, and today we welcome Emil Riga. He's a Ryerson social lead with the Ryerson Rams, and he is going to be talking about OUA soccer today since he knows that team pretty well uh, over these last couple seasons. Uh, welcome to the podcast, guys. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah, uh, like, thank you. What you guys been up to in the last week since we last spoke? Oh, for me, uh, hmm, uh, just trying to finish up school. I finish up tomorrow, actually. So just trying to wrap that up uh, after school's done. Really don't know what I'm going to do with myself, but we'll see, I guess. And Justin? I uh, spent last week finishing school as well. Um, I have a last exam at the end of this week. But other than that, uh, covering some news within the OHL and the Kitchener Rangers, um, which I will delve in a little bit uh, more into a little later in the show. Uh, and so, Emil, we have you here to uh, talk about soccer. But one thing we do have to mention before that uh, yes, is that the Lethbridge Hurricanes, uh, or not Lethbridge Hurricanes, sorry, the Lethbridge Pronghorns, um, of U Sports have shut down both their men's and women's hockey teams today. Dan Kavkin, a new writer for us here at 49, uh, did an interview uh, with Torin White, one of the players who actually spoke out on Twitter uh, with his displeasure with the university. And then I also spoke to forwards and senior Spencer Jensen, as well as assistant coach Brandon Greening. Uh, so we'll have those uh, interviews later in this podcast. But first, we're going to get to some of the questions uh, for you about uh, OUA soccer specifically. Um, and yeah, just just before you get that, um, that news about uh, Lethbridge is kind of scary just because of um, it was due to provincial funding cuts. And I don't know, I, I just can't seem to think that, I can't help but think that it's going to affect other schools as well. Yeah, I mean, you, um, have, you have two other U-sport, or three other U-sport schools uh, in that province. Um, and you wonder whether they're going to suffer as well. And then you have Ontario as well. And Doug Ford, yeah. of course, is constantly pulling funding away from universities. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and so one of the teams that's still going uh, is the Ryerson men's soccer team. Uh, and they've yes. brought in a couple of players, um, Jacob Carlos and uh, Ali Alzire. Uh, could you talk about them a little and maybe what they bring to the Ryerson men's soccer team? Yeah, um, it's exciting, especially to get um, Ali in there. Um, he's basically already um, an instant impact type of player uh, from Mississauga. And he's been playing League One football for a couple of years now. Uh, he played in Spain for a little bit. And he's he's basically a man already. Like, we won't have to wait for him to uh, develop into anything. I think he'll fit into the, the system right away. I think Phil, um, Rams head coach, really likes him. Um, he's definitely the type of player that he, he sees and he, he tries to look out for when he's scouting. And um, 
So yeah, very happy that um, Ali committed. He did play briefly, played one game uh, for U of T apparently like three or four years back, but I don't see, um, he didn't talk about that as recruit. So I won't really mention it too much, but yeah, so he, he seems to be very experienced and I think he'll, he'll make an impact right away. Uh, and he's kind of replacing uh, the role that Moaz was playing, who is graduating this year. So that's a huge plus. What what do these players bring to the team? I mean, this is because again, l- like anything else, you get new players, and th- and that has an impact on the team. So, uh, could you dig into that a little bit? Yeah. So uh, moving on to Jacob. <laughs> Jacob's a TFC product. Um, played for Elgin Mills for a while. Elgin Mills are like always a dynasty um, in UB soccer. So Jacob is a bit more of a development process. I think um, he's still a bit young, but he's. Um, I think he'll also make an impact in the midfield, especially because Ryerson's midfield uh, needs a bit of help. So I think he'll make an impact as well. So both of these guys, I think, could come in right away and make an impact. I don't think either of these guys are like kind of project guys where uh, you'll kind of have to wait a couple years just to see how they can make an impact. Um, and I think they'll mostly be for offense. I think we're very solid. Um, the Rams are very solid on defense already. And they didn't lose too much uh, due to graduation on the defense event. So I think they're just going to be um, sparking the offense, which is kind of what they need based on what we saw last year. They're lost. They're losing um, Moaz. Um, is he going to be the guy they missed most? Yeah, so that was that was the next one. It's I was thinking about that, and it's it's either Moaz uh, on offense or Ali um, Gazafari on as a goalie, who was their main goalie last year. Um, Ali was huge. He, you can't really put a a price on how valuable he was as a leader, and also just he 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 won them games. Sometimes uh, he'll just make saves that not many other goalies in the OUA can um can make. I've known Ali a long time. He had trials at PSG. Uh, he he was he was a prodigy kind of when he was a kid, and he was he's still very very good. So it's a huge loss for Ryerson. Um. I was talking to him a few months ago and he said he was um, thinking of doing his master's at, at Ryerson. So he does still have an eligible, a year of eligibility left um, in the OUA. I don't know if he'll be coming back next year or not. Obviously this is um, just hearsay. So nothing in this clothes, don't tweet this out or anything, but um, yeah, so most likely he won't be coming back, but we never know. So I think if he doesn't come back, Ali would be the biggest loss. And Moaz up top was an absolute beast as well. So he's also a huge loss. And speaking of uh, these these players who are coming in and out of the, the OUA New Sports, this being Ryerson, um, can you elaborate a little bit about how MLSE Academy grads uh, seem to fit into the mold that is U Sports with Ryerson? Yeah, so um, TFC kind of seems to have a little bit of a partnership with Ryerson. A lot of their players... Uh, end up on our squad. Obviously, we share the facility of Downsview Park. Um, so there's a bit of a component there. But yeah, I think Phil um, just has a good relationship with a lot of the TFC guys. Um, TFC guys obviously see Ryerson as a possible destination if they want to play OUA soccer. Um, U of T tends to get more kind of international players or players from, you know, I don't know, like Brampton or something. So um Ryerson definitely tries to get the TFC products, whereas UFT can kind of go elsewhere. 
Um, as for other MLSC products, like, yeah, it's it's interesting. Like Carlton, they try to get um, their Ottawa Fury guys, which obviously is no longer, but um, they get a, a couple impact players as well. Um, same thing with the Quebec schools. So definitely for a U sports school, that's the hottest commodity you could get, those academy players. Uh, whether they want to commit to your school or not is is really up to them. But ultimately, that's kind of the higher the highest caliber player you'd want to get in the OUA. One of the uh, other things that I looked at, and I actually have a piece coming out uh, on 49 tomorrow, um, is about some of these players who kind of fall through the hole of Canadian soccer uh, and end up in U sports rather than developing further in the MLS academies. Yeah. For, for Canadian soccer, do you think it'd be better if these players stuck with the academy and maybe there's another option rather than going to the OUA or U sports? It's interesting. I actually, now that the CPL exists, I think U sports is a great uh, possibility just because it doesn't, it doesn't mean the dream is over, you know, uh, before the CPL going to U sports was kind of, okay, I get to play soccer, still kind of get to live the dream a bit, uh, get my education and kind of move on. But now that um, the CPL is born, a lot of players can kind of see a next step uh, pretty directly. In fact, there's a draft just for U Sports, so um, it, I think it raises the level of play just because everyone in the league can get drafted. So that glimmer of hope that they could move on. So I think it's a huge plus and for U Sports, and um, I definitely think that U uh, Sports is a valid option if they want to keep their dreams alive. And I guess the, the last question I'll ask you on this subject would be. Um, I guess in your mind, uh, given the way uh, youth sports kind of works outwards, do you think that they should expand the CPL draft in any way or form? What do you mean by expand it? Uh, like add, add some more uh, draft picks. Currently, they only have uh, four, 14 picks uh, for the seven teams. Yeah, well, I think it should be a gradual process just because if you have too many draft picks, um, a lot of those players kind of in the lower rounds, let's say, uh, wouldn't see much of the pitch just because a lot of CPL signings are from abroad. So I think a lot of those graduates um, wouldn't see the field much. So right now, I think the number, that low number is at a pretty good spot. But as the level of U sports raises, which I think it will, um, I think, yeah, you should definitely expand the draft. But that's, like I said, it's just depending on the level of play. So if you see it does get better and a lot of these players do end up doing really well in the CPL, then I think you can make a case that you should expand the draft. Yeah. If you had to pick a couple of OUA teams that um, might improve on their play from last year, who, who would you pick? Oh, UOIT is a huge sleeper. Uh, Ontario Tech, they, they're so, like a super young program. Um, and last year, they, they were so weird. Like, they would tie, like, every game. So they didn't do that well in the standings. But no one could beat them. Like um, they're a very, very young team. Their coach is super passionate. They're a young program. So I think they're going to get much better in the next few years. I know the Toronto schools hate to play them. Ryerson hates to play them. U, U of T, I think, lost to them last season. So they're just a very annoying team that I think is going to get a lot better. U of T, same thing. Varsity Blues are um, really, really good. They have a lot of good international players. They actually just signed um, – a goalie who went through the ranks at Hamburg in Germany. So he's like a young German goalie that 
I'm probably going to make an impact right away as well. So varsity blues are always a threat. They have a young coach um, and just the culture they're building at the varsity blues uh, side of the city is really good as well. So Ryerson's going to have plenty of company in Toronto. Um, obviously York is York. Um, they're never going to stop being really good. So yeah, the Toronto schools are just kind of, kind of going to be stacked for the next few years is what I would have to guess. And uh, you're with Ryerson for the next couple of years. Yeah. Do you think you might see the Rams at a uh, national tournament before you graduate? Oh, I, I hope so. But it's it's tough. Um, like I said, these Toronto schools are, are very, very good, as well as Carlton, uh, Guelph, Western. So it'll be tough. But um, honestly, OUA is tough to call, right? Like you never really know. And Ryerson's definitely in the discussion every single year. I think they will be uh, in, in the coming years as well. So it's all, I think next year they'll have um, kind of a chip on their shoulder that they didn't have last year. Last year when they lost to U of T in the playoffs, um, U of T came in mad. They were ultra focused just because they had lost to Ryerson the previous couple of years. So I think um, the plot might be switched a bit and Ryerson will have a chip on their shoulder. So um, when that's the case, I think anything can happen. So I, I definitely do think they have a legit chance and that's going to be their goal. That being said, thank you so much for joining us tonight, Emil. Uh, we appreciate the insight that you've given us, and we will surely follow up with you as the season gets going for uh, the Ryerson Rams and youth sports soccer. Thank you, Emil Riga, for coming on the show. Now, we've spoken about soccer. We've touched on Lethbridge. We'll have more on that later in the episode. But now we're going to get into a bit of a U Sports hockey update with myself, Ben Steiner, and Justin Levine. Justin, what do we have today? All right, so we've got a couple new moves that have happened in the last little bit. Um, I mean, the, again, the OHL and U Sports uh, have this ongoing partnership almost where players are bouncing around from going from there to youth sports. And so we've gotten a ton of that in the last little bit. And so with that, we're going to delve into it. So, uh, and you are going to hear names that uh, joined last week in last week's episode. Um, But along with that, here's some new names to add to those who have joined youth sports this week. And I think uh, from the WHL, we're going to go from uh, west to east. We're going to, or east to west, sorry. We're going to start in the AUS with some of the school's uh, recruits there, then to the OUA, and then we'll end off with a little bit of Canada West stuff and WHL. Uh, So, Justin, do you want to start us off with the AUS? Yeah, so from the WHL going to uh, St. FX is Leif Matson from the WHL and Connor Bruggen from the WHL. From the OHL, from the Owen Sound Attack, is Matthew Phillips. As well, from the QMJHL, is Ethan Crossman, Brandon Clavel, and Pat Kite. So that, they're all going to St. FX. So, what I can tell you right off the bat, when we look at Bruggen and Matson is that they both played together on the Kelowna Rockets prior to moving to U Sports. So that's going to be something to look out for in terms of what they're able to do together on a line. Um, and something that they'll absolutely be able to help lead that school back into a playoff position. Uh, Matthew Phillip, on the other hand, is another strong player. And I mean, Owen Sound, while they haven't exactly seen playoff action in a little bit, uh, Matthew Phillip played well with Aiden Dudas, another top player on the team. So that will be something to look out for. Um, 
with that in mind, um, I'll tip it to Ben Steiner for additional input. Uh, one thing that sort of stands out to me with this St. FX recruitment class is with Connor Bruggengate and Brandon Clavel, they're bringing in two former captains of their WHL teams. Uh, Bruggengate uh, was captain of the WHL's Seattle Thunderbirds. And when you bring in two captains, you bring in a lot of leadership. Uh, and even if they are not wearing the C on your university team, I think bringing in a guy with that mentality certainly can't harm your dressing room. No, it absolutely won't. It's going to be it's going to be additional leadership, like you said, but it's not just going to happen on the ice. It's going to help form a better team off the ice and in the locker room um, when the when it comes to you know team workouts and team initiatives. But when you look at their on ice production, this is something to really be aware of. Matson, eighteen goals, twenty one assists, and thirty eight games played. Bruggen and Kate, on the other hand, fourteen goals, nineteen assists, sixty two games played. So. When they're both strong and they're able, they really put on a show. So these are two guys that are you're absolutely going to want to look out for in the AUS with St. FX. And of course, uh, St. FX, they finished right in the middle of the pack this year. Um, the AUS is weird when it comes to goal scoring. All the teams are regularly scoring above three goals a game. Like the lowest ranked team, um, I believe it was Dalhousie, and they were averaging like 3.3 goals a game, which is absolutely ridiculous. Uh, the amount of offense that comes out of that league. And so when you bring in uh, six OHL guys and then one uh, guy uh, from the BCHL, uh, it's going to be uh, another offensive season uh, for the San FX X-Men. Uh, yeah, I just want to think they're in for a show, so that'll be something to look for. And then we also have uh, some other news um, as we move a little more east to New Brunswick. Uh, Nick Gay from the QMJHL has committed to the ever-highly-powered UNB Reds. What do you know about him, Justin? So when you look at Nick Nick Gay, this is what you get in him. He's coming over from the Ramuski Oceanic, where he where he was traded from the St. John Sea Dogs, and during that time in which he was at the Oceanic, he played alongside the number one pick in this year's NHL draft, Alexis Lafreniere. Now, while his numbers don't exactly match that of what Lafreniere is set to bring, he did score 11 goals and 13 assists for 24 points in 27 games played. So his offense may be not as great as, as his defensive side because he is he is a strong, a strong guy who is highly spoken about on the defensive end. So I think that's somewhere where the team will get lucky in terms of being able to keep the other team off their toes. But offensively, they'll they'll continue looking as as this recruiting season goes onwards. Um Really, that being said, um, Gay is someone who, again, couldn't really make it offensively at all during his time in the QMJHL. But it was if there's one thing that did stand out, and this was mentioned by the media a lot, it was his build. And he's going to be playing alongside a bunch of highly skilled forwards at UNB, that program. Uh, this year, they won another AUS championship, uh, although they did have a bit of a scare from the Acadia Axemen, who... We're hosting this year's U Cup. Of course, that had to be cut short due to the pandemic before a lot of teams could drop the puck on their campaign for the national championship. Uh, but UNB, uh, nevertheless, is still a very high-powered program. Another team that had some CHL recruiting in the AUS is the Dalhousie Tigers. They're bringing in Derek Gentile from the Q. Uh, and they also have some players who are suspected to be joining them. Uh, do you want to talk a bit about the Dalhousie recruitment class? Yeah, so, I mean, right off the bat, we'll start with Nova Scotia native Derek Gentile, who joins Dalhousie University. Uh, he comes over from the Cape Breton Eagles of the QMJ. 
had the rather impressive season. He scored 25 goals and 32 assists in 60 games played. Now, this made for 57 points. And for really, if you're playing a season that's somewhere around the 60 game range, that's exactly where you want to be production wise. So he had a solid season. And I mean, this really beats anything that he, that he's done in the league prior ending the season uh, with eight, seven, nine goals in three years prior, which ended for around 20 to 33 points. So that's not really so great. So we, break, breaking out the season with the Eagles was the turnaround that he needed and will be an offensive outburst for Dalhousie. Now, that's not all they're going to get. So let's get into it just a little bit more. According to Victor Finley of Saga 960 here in Toronto, uh, re- reportedly joining the joining Dalhousie pending confirmation from the school is Josh Wayneman from the Guelph Storm, the reigning champions of the OHL. So Wayneman, when you look at his stats, six goals, fourteen assists, and that comes up to sixty games played. Now, not the strongest offensively. He looks kind of kind of like what Gentile started as in the QMJHL. So that might be a cause for concern. So, I mean, that. That might hold them back. However, that being said, the QMJHL class only gets stronger because not a, alongside Wayneman, they bring in Darian Kild, Christian Huntley, and Sean Miller, all three who are who are spoken of highly to some degree and in, uh, in different respects. So that'll be something to look out for as well. Um, and again, the school hasn't announced any of these. These are all reported for the meantime. Of course, we speak about these players coming from the QMJHL. Uh, OHL or WHL and a lot of them they didn't light it up uh, but if they lighted it up in juniors they wouldn't become any U-sports uh, as U-sports is definitely the secondary option instead of pursuing a professional career right out of junior uh, so yeah the CHL get very heavily scouted so I mean if you're not someone new who, who can't light it up then ultimately this is what U sports is what it comes down to. And so for these player it, players, it has, uh, it's not a bad route. Uh, you get a university degree and you still get to play competitive hockey, which uh, we've talked about this before, but I think it is actually a higher level uh, in U sports than it is in junior hockey. Um, so if we hop in our proverbial truck, get on the trans Canada highway and move over to Ontario, uh, we have some recruiting from the CHL to the Ontario university athletic association, the OUA. Uh, let's talk about the Queen's Gales. Who are they bringing in? All right. So this also reported by Victor Finley here in Toronto. Jonathan Yancis from the Kitchener Rangers uh, is supposedly set to join uh, the Queen's Gales. However, at this time, that has not been confirmed by the school. However, what has been confirmed by the school is Anthony Popovich, a goaltender from the Flint Firebirds. He played in, uh, behind Ty DeLandria, a uh, world junior champion. So, that's a good move between the pipes uh, and, and getting a goaltender nice and early. Never hurts. Now, also from the OHL, Jacob Brahini, Thomas Stevenson, also at this time not confirmed from the Windsor Spitfires, and Calvin Martin from the Mississauga Steelheads, that being confirmed. He, he joined the Steelheads from the Sarnia Sting, where he struggled in Sarnia. But as soon as as soon as he got kind of got into a new scenery under the management of James Richmond, head coach and GM of the team, he absolutely lit it up. So that is something uh, offensively that Queens can be excited about. And let's head up north to the Nipsing Lakers. Who are they bringing? All right. Now, the Nipsing Lakers got themselves into an interesting situation. Why, you might ask? This would be why. They delved themselves uh, into a little bit of a recruitment pool this week, bringing in Chad Deneau from the OHL. He played with the North Bay Battalion. 
Now, Dano, offensively, kind of like Josh Wayman, not great. And that, that might take, A, either take time to develop, or B, might not develop at all. That being said, four goals, four assists, and that's in 35 games played. So not not really a whole lot. However, his numbers with the Peterborough Peets, where he came from, much better. Uh, in terms of Bowman, I can tell you that uh, he opened a lot of eyes there. Um, but, I mean, I'll, I'll toss this one to Ben for maybe a little more insight as to what he brings. Uh, well, Parker Bowman, he's coming from the QMJHL. Uh Average sort of player. Um, Nipissing, they have struggled in the past to get guys from the CHL. Uh, so bringing in two guys from the CHL is one uh, a goaltender uh, from the NCAA. It's a strong recruiting class for the Lakers. Um, but one thing I find sort of neat about Chad Deneau coming from the OHL and the North Bay Battalion is that he'll actually be playing in the same arena uh, up by Lake Superior um, or by uh, Nipissing Lake, uh, which I find kind of cool. It might be a little weird for him, though, um, wearing a different jersey, competing against different teams, but all the surroundings are going to be the same. Yeah, and that might that might throw a player like like Deno off, and uh, at the beginning, uh, make his performance, you know, kind of half of what it could be. And that's that's not saying that he that he will get distracted, because honestly, it could motivate him more, given that he's ended up in new sports rather than getting, you know, a pro contract uh, to kind of get his career started on the other path so i mean yeah it's kind of cool but at the same time kind of uh a misfortune that that the reason has come that um he wasn't able to you know pull it out and make it pro yeah i mean i could see it going going the other way as well because he's so familiar with the surroundings he might be able to slide in right off the bat and uh, be a very well contributing player for the nipsing lakers um so they brought in Epp in net as well from the NCAA. Uh, but one of the teams I also want to talk about uh, who made some news this week was the Waterloo Warriors, as they brought in Jack Fibbs uh, to, as their second player in the recruiting class alongside Daniel Walker. We spoke about Walker last week, uh, and you can listen to that on last week's episode. But Justin, if you want to speak about Jack Fibbs coming in from the Flint Firebirds. Yeah, so uh, Fibs uh, comes from a team that had Anthony Popovich and Ty Delandria. And so what Fibs brings to this team, 16 goals, 12 assists, and 61 games played this past season in the OHL. Now, that's pretty darn good. And he joins Daniel Walker, who ended this past season with three goals and four assists for, for seven points in 18 games played. So while that's not offensively impressive, Fibs certainly is just that. So I think that uh, that was a solid pickup um, by the school, and that by, by no means are they done just yet. And that's all we have for today. Uh, we had a bit of recruiting news on our last podcast. I would love to get into some Canada West stuff, but so far nothing has really happened uh, other than the Leftbridge Hurricanes, of course, uh, or Leftbridge Pronghorns. That's the second time I've made that mistake on this podcast. Hurricanes, of course, being the WHL team. Uh, but there's nothing to talk about yet in Canada West. UBC announced their women's hockey recruits today. We're going to touch on women's hockey next week. We're going to touch on more men's hockey, and hopefully we're not talking about another U Sports program going under. Uh, that's all for this portion of the podcast, and now we'll get to some interviews uh, with some of the players from the now no longer Lethbridge Hurricanes. Thank you for joining me, Justin, uh, on to talk some U Sports hockey recruits. And we'll be back next week. Uh, 
both both of us in our usual spots uh, here in quarantine as we keep going with this COVID-19 pandemic. That sounds like a plan. I'll be back next week with more OHL Insight. Thank you very much. Now that we've touched on both soccer and hockey from coast to coast, we're going to transition to something a little less upbeat. We're going to talk about the Lethbridge Pronghorns who shut down their men's and women's hockey programs today. We're going to start off with an interview that Ben Steiner had with their assistant coach, Brandon Greenside. Then we're going to go to 49's newest writer, Dan Kavkin, who had a 20-minute conversation with Torin White, one of the more outspoken players throughout this whole day and the shutdown of the Lethbridge Pronghorns. And then we'll end the show with Steiner and Spencer Jensen as they finished off speaking a bit about where the seniors' life is going now that the program no longer exists. Did you really uh, see this coming when it came out this morning? Uh, no, it came as quite of a shock. Uh, got a call from our head coach here around 9.30 this morning um, indicating what had happened uh, at a small meeting and uh, that there would be an email going out to all the student-athletes an hour or so later. And, yeah, since then, just been kind of fielding some calls, text messages from players, alumni, uh, trying to seek some answers, but not really uh, too much informed yet. What did this program mean to you uh, over the last few years that you were involved? Uh, it's meant the world to me, really. Um, just going to the rink every day, seeing our guys uh, develop the way they have. Um, it's always great to see. Uh, trying to think of the last time that we were all kind of together with our uh, graduating class, especially. Uh, and that was actually after the last game of our season because of everything that's been going on. Um, and just all the things that those guys have been through, especially the guys that have been here throughout my four years and seeing them off this year. Um, they've gone through a coaching change. Um, unfortunately, the death of our former captain, Brock Hirsch, uh, that humble Broncos bus crash, and the Boulay family having such a big effect within our community, um, hosting nationals and making playoffs for the first time um, last year. And now this program shut down uh, it's sad to see those guys graduate that way. They've been through so much and given so much of their time and hard work to our program. Uh, it's pretty unfortunate. Looking back at your time at Western, uh, could you ever imagine getting this news that the Western hockey program had shut down? Uh, no. I mean, as as the news came today, it's um, pretty shocking. It's nothing that we expected or have been in the rumors um, that we knew of. Um, when I was at Western, after my second year, we had a, our coach Clark took a sabbatical and that was big news to us. So I can't even imagine how our players are feeling today. It's, uh, it's bad. You have any thoughts of what, uh, some of them might be doing next year? Going to stay at Lethbridge, maybe switch schools to play hockey? Um, not too sure yet. Um, obviously we had a big recruiting class last year, so there's a lot of guys entering their second year. You have some graduating guys, and obviously our returning guys, third, fourth years. 
Um, so I think uh, between the staff and the university, we'll help them find the right path. But uh, there's no indication yet until we have some further meetings. Is there something that you would like to see done with the uh, Hearst Scholarship? Um, yeah, I definitely feel something needs to be done. Uh, Brock played a huge part in our program. Um, I unfortunately had only met him briefly before his battle with cancer. Um, but from what I've heard, he was very well loved um, by all his teammates and the community. And uh, no one, everyone spoke very highly of him. So uh, something will need to be done uh, in the right direction with that. But uh, again, we won't know that until things kind of unfold here. Uh, that's all I've really got. But thanks so much for coming on and uh, all the best. Um, in the days and Absolutely. weeks to come. Absolutely. Thanks. Thank, thank you very much. Uh, let's get right to it. Uh, 
what were some of the like first sort of uh, reasons or uh, ideas that you guys came up with as to why this is happening? I'm sure Coach set up for you right away because obviously he's pretty effective as well, right? But um, like you you went off on Twitter, man. Like I said, mad respect. Not a lot of people do that, but uh, you you're pretty quick to say that you know the university is just using the budget cuts as a excuse to just trim the hockey program. Do you still believe that? Um, well, it's it's funny because I've been reading a lot of the, the replies on Twitter and. Um, you know, there's some people that want to get political about it. You know, you can talk about the budget cuts to education. Um, you know, but in the end, it, it was the university's decision. And, and of course, this wasn't the Pronghorn's athletic decision. Um, you know, the, our, our athletic directors are unbelievable to us. They're great people. And they're just as much impacted um, by this as we are. But, you know, we like we said, there's we have... Uh, even the lady we were talking to that basically broke this news to us and kind of wouldn't wouldn't totally acknowledge um, our questions or suggestions that uh, she's making three hundred thousand dollars a year. So you know, that, like, and that's common knowledge. Yeah, that's common knowledge. So there's, you know, they, they can say that she uses budget cuts, but it, they made it seem like it was a very easy decision for them, which is which is really disappointing. And so, so uh, going on a bit more, what do you mean it was sort of obvious that it was hockey first? So you kind of went over the budget cuts, but, like, was it just the fact that they were pretty cold to you guys? Like, they give you guys straight PR answers? Like, what, what was sort of going on? Yeah, well, I think the biggest thing is that there, there was no heads up or no warning. You know, what it, it's different if we had a chance to, um, to do something about it. You know, like, they could, for example, say, hey, um, there's budget cuts you guys have to raise this much money or else the program's going to be cut next year. But instead, it was wake up and all of a sudden the program's gone. And I, I believe our coach had seven or eight recruits for this year and he actually wasn't on the call because he had to call all them and let them know that there's not a hockey program anymore. So I can't imagine the day um, our coach, Marie Nystrom's having, but, you know, all of, uh, I've been in touch with all of our guys today and they're all just frustrated and shocked. Uh, is it safe to say that the entire team react is like still still feeling the same? Yeah, yeah. Like uh, this morning, there was a lot of emotion, obviously, and I think um, there's gonna be a lot of emotion for a couple days. But then, you know, we could, a lot of guys have to face reality. You know, we have to figure out: uh, do we want to keep playing? Do we want to transfer schools? Um, there's a lot of big things to make, and. Um, school there or do you still have to come into like an academic 50 or something like that uh no i actually graduated this year and i'm going to do my master's next year so uh i'm not fortunately for me i'm not as much affected as these guys are but like i was saying that like these are you know my best friends my teammates and and same with the the women's hockey program you know like they uh two of my best friends are they're married and they have their own places in in uh, Lethbridge, and I, I can't imagine them um, going to play somewhere else now. So that might be it for their hockey careers, you know. So there's there's a lot of a lot more um, tangibles that go into it that that people might overlook. Yeah, um, this isn't public knowledge yet, anyway. But yeah, I think I told you that was actually part of that press conference where they talked about like the reaction and all that. Uh, this guy did say, like, let's say, kind of on off the record, basically that. Uh, 
there are going to be some support system built where, for example, apparently the athletic department, the AD and such, they're going to help like help you guys transfer whatever if you have to for the players who are staying. Uh, their scholarships are still intact, all those sort of stuff. It's obviously a way for the school to mitigate the situation, but would you say that at least they deserve a bit of credit for not completely throwing you guys under the bus? Not Again, not defending the school, but just saying the fact that they're still coming up with this, if you would. Yeah, yeah, I mean, they, they mentioned that in our, our call this morning. Okay. And the, the reaction of some of the players is pretty funny. They honestly kind of laughed. And Scoff, like, probably, right? It's like we, we came to Lethbridge because we want to go to the University of Lethbridge. We want to play for the Pronghorns. We want to live in Lethbridge. And you just took that away from us out of nowhere. And it's... I understand that it's, it's great that they're... Um, supporting any anyone who wants to transfer and whatnot, but I I think that would be expected. It's not like that's something going above and beyond. Um, you know, they you just they just shatter a lot of guys' lives and hockey careers, and and the women obviously, and and then they like you said they like they may mitigate it a little, but I I would hope and expect that they would do that in the first place. Yeah, no, that's fair. I'm kind of glad you said that. Um, let's go back to like your junior career and stuff. So, what made you come to Lethbridge in the first place? It was obviously a storied franchise. You know, they just celebrated their, I think it was 25 year anniversary of winning the title with Babcock. Right? It was a pretty storied franchise at the time or school at the time. Uh, was that sort of the reason you came in? Like, what sort of brought you to Lethbridge four years ago? Uh, it's funny. There's a lot of different things that went into it. Uh, one, I'm from Medicine Hat, so it's okay. it's uh, close to home, but it's, I'm still living away and getting a full university experience. Um, I had a lot of good friends on the team uh, that went there the year before. Um, the business and education program there is great, which was another big uh, big selling point for me. And then the the coach at the time, Spiros Anastas, was doing a great job recruiting and turning the program around. Spiros isn't with the program anymore, but um, it was it was a, honestly an easy decision for me. I uh, I was a I didn't have as many options as a lot of um, guys have coming out of junior, but um, I was really I, like I never regretted going to Lethbridge, and my experience there was incredible. From the you know the city to the guys to the hockey to school and everything was better than I could ever imagine. Are you and the guys uh, going to sort of I wouldn't say unite on front, but would you guys sort of? lock arms essentially and like start pushing for something start demanding for answers something along those lines anytime soon yeah well i guess in the in the call this morning um doug paisley the women's hockey coach kind of took charge and um he, he kind of questioned why we're not able to uh, to to do some fundraising and you know support the program ourselves do fundraising and this is kind of another thing that they Kind of one of the big things that they kind of just dismissed. Um, basically, said it wasn't possible. But like I said, my team, they just said that's all good. They'll support it for a year or two, and then and then they'll stop supporting it, which is a <laughs> basically just an assumption. I know they the fundraising money is considered um, soft funding, basically, and it's not all guaranteed. So you can't you can't rely on that, which I understand. But the fact that we weren't, first of all, we've never been in a situation where our program just been cut overnight. So there's no way of knowing how donors and fundraisers will react. Because I know there's enough people in 
sure if you know the answer to this, but would you know if the team or if the programs, I mean, uh, were getting carried by the donors? Because apparently, the women, I think the women's team, for example, had a donor give 125k for five years. So, like, yeah. so, so like, and like you know, on top of like the softball you know, fundraisers and you said all that stuff. Uh, do you think it's sort of more behind the story? For example, like, do you, does anyone genuinely believe the university ran out of resources, ran out of money? Uh, we, I know the men's hockey team for sure. We have more than enough uh, donors and uh, supporters. And, such and... And, and as I mentioned, our captain brought there. She passed away. He started a scholarship fund in his name that's raised an incredible amount of money. Um, and I know the women's team also had that big uh, donation last year. And I know um, Doug there new head coach has done an incredible job bringing in donors and fundraising and, and to add to that if you're notified that you're in a situation where you're in dire need for donations and funds I honestly believe that both men's and women's hockey programs would have no problem finding that money but we were never notified or given a heads up so we never had the opportunity to find additional funds and to reach out to um, more donors right. than we initially had. Alright, Mel, well, that's really all I got. Is there anything else you want to add in? Anything you think I missed? Anything you want on the record? Uh, I, I guess one thing I kind of wanted to mention is that there's, uh, you know, the impacts of the players and um, the coaches and the athletic staff, but we, there's, there's other people kind of behind the scenes that have done so much for the um, men's and women's hockey program. We have we have a guy named Ryan O'Donnell who's been with the team for seven or eight years. That you know, it's it's kind of like it's kind of his, his life. Like he loves loves the horns, he loves the guys. Um, we have a lady named Barry Dick who helps everyone with school and papers and donates all of her time. Um, Joel Dick, an assistant coach who volunteered his time. Um, we have a guy named Jerry Orway who. Um, basically volunteers as an equipment manager pretty much every day. Like there, there's so many people that are kind of affected by this and so many people that put in time to our program that have kind of just been, um, I guess, slapped in the face, which is really disappointing. So it, it's, it's disappointing for the players, but it's, you know, you also got to feel for the, uh, the supporters who have kind of been you know, almost disrespected. Yeah, and it's pretty safe to assume that they uh, they probably aren't getting any support anytime soon, right? Yeah, yeah, which which is also too bad because you know I I'm friends with all the other athletes, whether it's basketball, soccer, um, track, and they're all awesome people. And you know I I hope this doesn't leave a bad mark on Pronghorns Athletics because I think they're well run and they have a great group of people there. And I, uh, that's one thing I really hope doesn't come as kind of collateral damage in this. Is, um, I hope our men's basketball team is able to still recruit high-end players and not have players think that, oh, that, is their program going to get cut? Is there, are their um, athletic directors committed to their program? Mm-hmm. Because I know our um, athletics department was committed to our hockey program. They're great people and um, I feel for them in this whole process too. So it's there's a, there's so much more that goes into it than just losing a hockey program, I guess. And then just on the like.
like, did you get any like immediate support from the soccer teams, the basketball teams, rugby teams? Um, yeah, there's, there's been a lot, a lot of people reach out. My, my phone's been pretty busy all day, so I actually haven't even opened a lot of them. But um, yeah, I can imagine. You know, I, I think we have a really good group of uh, people in both the men's and women's soccer program, and you know, like I said, we're active in the community. We're active at uh, athlete social events. Um, we're all good students, and we're all we're, we're all social. So we're like we do what we can to involved in, in the whole university experience so I just on that note it'll be it'll be a I believe it'll be a loss for the the university itself not just athletics cool man yeah that's really I got if there's anything else uh, I'll let you go man I'm sure you've been a busy uh, person today so thanks so much for your time that means a lot uh, I'll shoot you a message when all the work's done alright perfect thanks no worries man Were you expecting this at all? No, I was not expecting it. Um, I mean, it kind of caught us all off guard. I, I, there wasn't really any indication that um, this would be happening. Um, so, yeah, it just kind of came out of nowhere and definitely caught us off guard. Uh, as a senior from the team, what's your reaction to this? Uh, maybe different than somebody who would have played next year? I think uh, it might be a little different. I mean, I, I am uh, moving forward with... Um, kind of everything in my life here and um but i think all of us alike were extremely disappointed and uh i mean i was looking forward to being an alumni and i think uh i mean for those guys that do want to continue to play and have to find a new spot um it obviously is uh, a little more tough for them but i think um i mean all of us were all extremely disappointed and sad and uh, a little blindsided like i said do you have any memories that sort of stand out either from this year or your five years at lethbridge I think there's a, there's a few. I mean, we've had our ups and downs throughout my five years. I've kind of seen it all. I've um, been through a coaching change since I've been here, and uh, our former captain passed away my second year in Panzer Brock. So that was a tough time. And then um, last year we had nationals, so that was obviously um, a pretty sweet opportunity for us. Um, so I think just those three things. Like I said, we've been, been through a lot, um, the ups and downs both. And Brock has that scholarship that has gone to the hockey program. Uh, what would you like to see done with that? Um, yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I just hope that they um, take into consideration the people that have donated to it. Um, and as well, I, I hope that Brock's parents get some say of, you know, what's done with it, whether that's um, supporting guys in their moving teams. Um, but really, I'm not sure. Um, like I said, I... I I'm not really don't have any details of what's going to happen to it yet, um, but I just hope those donors as well as those parents have some sort of uh, say in what what does happen with the money. Have you spoken to any of the guys who are still going to be in school next year about possibly moving schools, moving teams, maybe? I haven't really gotten to those details yet with any guys. Um, I mean, it, it, it's going to be interesting to see what happens, just because. I mean, there's a couple guys they they own houses on the team, um, and they're mid mid uh, degree so it's tough to say if they'll want to continue on um, playing or they'll just want to finish their degree at, in Lethbridge um, but I'm sure I would like to see some of these younger guys for sure uh, go to a different school um, we definitely have some promising talent on the team this year so hopefully they get a chance to play but um, unfortunately I think for definitely a few guys um, they maybe played their last game uh, without intending to
unfortunately. Are you surprised that this comes one year after you guys hosted the U Cup? I am a little surprised. I thought we were very successful in hosting the U Cup. I think everything ran very smoothly from what um, I heard from it. You know, the community really supported us, and uh, it was a great turnout fan-wise for all the games. Um, so I think that kind of just showed that what the problem for hockey means to the community. And um, it, it is really disappointing to see that, uh, you know, the, the board um, didn't maybe see the same things that we did with the, the team. So it is very disappointing. And what does the team's disappearance, both the men and the women, uh, mean for the Lethbridge community, which I'm sure you, that you've gotten to know over these last five years? Yeah, I think it's a huge part of it. I mean, um, when I came to Lethbridge, it was kind of uh, after my 20-year-old year in the dub. Was, I was going to go play in the dub my 20-year-old year, and then I ended up leaving. And I came to Lethbridge kind of on a whim just because they could get me to some classes. But um, I've, I'm, I have a job there now in Lethbridge. I'm planning on staying. And, um, you know, it's just unfortunate. I think the, the school really rallied around us. Um, we, we had really good turnouts in, at our games compared to a lot of U sports teams in our league. And uh, I think there's a lot of other stuff starting to grow, too. With um, We had a couple of players on our team, Torn White, for one, had started a, an in-school mentoring program. And um, so he was working with some of the schools, and we would go and, you know, read to kids and um, just kind of get our – get her name out there and support the community and um, get that connection. So it, it is sad to see that won't be continued on. Thanks uh, so much for coming on. Is there anything that you might want to mention um, with the program uh, now disappearing? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm really thankful for um, my time in uh, with the team. And um, like I said earlier, I think we were all pretty blindsided by what the decisions that were made. And um, I think the biggest part of all is um, why we're so disappointed is we didn't really get to have uh, a say in any, you know, solution or alternative solution to um, to this outcome. And I think we, we had some great leaders in the hockey program with our coaches, and um, it's pretty unfortunate they, didn't, they were included in the process of at least maybe um, looking at different alternatives to, um, to keeping the program going because uh, we definitely had some well-respected coaches in the community and um, the players alike would have loved to continue on. So we're just, yeah, we're disappointed for sure. Thanks uh, so much for coming on, Spencer. Um, I know it's a tough day for everyone involved, uh, but we appreciate um, everyone involved with the uh, Lethbridge program that's come on the podcast today. Perfect. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much.